0: Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And would it really be a Father's Day message without starting it off with some dad jokes? So what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? Any guesses? So fish <laughs> Why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? in case they get a hole in one. What did baby corn say to mama corn? Yes, where's popcorn? Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Yes, because then it would be a foot. And the last one, when does a joke become a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. (laughs) Those of you who don't know me, I love those kind of jokes. Those are like my favorite ones. So, once again, happy Father's Day. We're glad that you guys are all here today. Um, So, one of the most stereotypical dad things, maybe not anymore now that we have GPS. But how many of you guys have ever been in the car, maybe with your dad or someone, and you're on a long road trip, and you don't know where you are, but your dad knows where you're at. He's not lost at all, right? (laughs) So dads have a tendency, or not a tendency, but like a, what's the word? A stereotype of not asking for directions. They're never lost. They always know where they are at. So they don't need to ask for directions. We're going to be kind of continuing off a little bit of what Pastor Evan's been talking about with John the Baptist. We're going to skip forward a couple chapters, and we're going to be in chapter 11, if you guys want to go ahead and turn there. We're going to be starting in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 1. So we're going to be taking a look at John again and just a little bit of kind of info with what's going to be coming up. He's not probably where he expected to be. So starting in verse 1, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison... Heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John was in jail, probably not where he would want to be. Locked up behind bars, and he sends some people to Jesus to ask ask him a question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Does this sound at all like the John that Pastor Evan has been talking about? Not at all. If we go back to Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you? to flee from the wrath to come. The same John that called out the Pharisees and Sadducees and was declaring the way for Jesus is now sending people to ask Jesus, are you really him or is there someone else coming? John was probably tired, he was weary, felt lost really did not know where he was or where he was supposed to be going. And maybe you're in that same stage. Maybe you don't know exactly where you are. Maybe you don't know where you're supposed to be going, and you're kind of a little timid about it, and you're like, well, I don't want to ask for help. Like, I can figure it out. I can figure out what I'm supposed to do. I can figure out where I'm supposed to go. And we're going to take a look at three different steps you can take to kind of overcome that mindset. As we continue in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be looking at Jesus' answer to the question that John presented to him. And in this answer, like I said, we're going to get three steps that you can take to restore direction in your life. So the first step is to hear and see. Matthew 11, starting in verse 4, And Jesus answered them, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus told John's followers to look and listen or hear and see. Jesus told them to report back to John and tell them what they saw and what they heard. And that first step is a very practical one. We need to look for the ways that God is at work. He is at work all around us. Whether we notice it or we don't, God is always at work. So this first step is all about looking at the outside. Looking at what's around you, taking a look, and actually seeing what you can physically see around you. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, I mean, I've had a pretty good life. Like, I've followed God my whole life. I really haven't strayed away. Like, everything's good. I really haven't had any hard times. And that is awesome. If that is you, that's amazing, and I applaud you. But there are other people around you who you can look at and see God's work in their life. Very apparent. I mean, God's working in your life. He has worked to get you to where you're at, and God's work has kept you where you are at. So if you're that person that's like, well, I've stayed with God my whole life. I've been a strong, devoted Christian. God's been able to keep you there. He's been able to keep his hand of protection over you. So that is one thing you can look at. But if you look around you, you'll see God at work in many, many places. Also, in that passage, Jesus recalled the prophecies in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 5 through 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So not only did Jesus say, hey, look and see everything that I have been doing, but he's like, hey, listen to what has been already told of me. Like, you guys have these prophecies. You guys know what I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to be. Look and see what I've done. And listen to what was said. And you will know for a fact that I am who I am claiming to be. I am the one you have been waiting for. So when you're not where you want to be, you need to look and listen for what God is doing in the present and remember what God has done in your past. And the same is true when you're far from the Lord. Look and see where he is at work. When you see and hear It sparks you to keep going. Look for him in your present and remember what he has done in your past. So it brings us to step two remember the image that you bear. Continuing on in Matthew 11, starting in verse 7, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? those who John sent, like, hey, who is this John? Like You're following him. Why are you following him? He built up John in that as well. He's like, I know why you're following them. You're following him because of who he was back when, Matthew chapter 3, back in that time, because of who he was, that prophet, that strong man of God, is why you are following him. But the thing is, that's not how John's acting anymore. And Jesus is kind of calling out John's false identity here, or his mask, as we say in youth, that he's wearing. We look and we see who John is and he's this strong man of God who's not afraid to stand up and speak the truth and now he's timid because he's lost. A false identity is a lie about us that we believe and we portray to the world around us. Maybe one that we present as that we have it all together but when we get behind closed doors our fear and our shame maybe they cripple us but the thing is it's a false identity it's not who you are it's a lie from Satan he is the master schemer and the master liar and he wants you to believe these lies about yourself to keep you lost to keep you from asking for directions for asking for help in your life John was in prison and you have to believe that like the devil was in his ear right there saying hey you're not good enough anymore you're in this, you're in jail like you're stuck you're done you're weak but Jesus is speaking through John's followers to remind him, like, hey, this is not who you are. You're not a reed that sways in the wind. And this probably woke John up and kind of shook him to his core, saying, hey, why am I doing this? Why am I like this? It's not who he was, and Jesus restored his identity through that. Genesis 127, so God created man in his own image. The image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. We bear God's image. So that's step two, remember the image you bear? You bear God's image. God created man in his own image. Let that thing sink in for a second. We were made in God's image. The most powerful, amazing, righteous, loving God. And we are made in his image. Nothing can stand up against God. Satan's tried and has failed. He'll try again and fail even harder. So why do we let him, why do we let Satan, why do we let the devil tell us who we are? Why do we let him whisper in our ear things that aren't true? We need to remember the image we bear. Remember that we were made in God's image. So step one was all about looking at the outside, looking at things that happen around you or to you. Step two is all about looking at the inside, restoring your inner being, restoring your soul to the image of God. And that brings us to step three. We need to accept being fathered. Step one, look and listen. Step two, be reminded of the image you bear. Step three, accept being fathered. Matthew eleven eleven. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That doesn't really, I mean, think about that. John the Baptist is the greatest that ever was. Just kidding. If you're the least in the kingdom, you're better than him. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Does it make sense to you at all? John the Baptist is the greatest, but if you're the least, you're still better. So John is a mighty man He's been created for greatness. And if you want to be restored, you must follow his lead. And we need to become like children. I mean, if you look throughout the New Testament, you'll see that children are always related to being the least. But the thing is... Jesus praises children so much throughout the Bible for their faith having a child like faith. And that's what he's saying here. Children were always thought of as the least, but the thing is, their faith, their trust is what makes them so great. If you were to have your kid today draw you a picture or a map on how to get home after church, how many of you think that you would be able to get home? No, probably not. It might have like a little tree here and there and a couple lines and maybe a building and say house and then that's the house and you end up in the Home Depot parking lot instead. And that's the thing. We are like that child drawing the map. We have a plan for our lives. We have how we think it should go. But in reality, that plan just takes us to that Home Depot parking lot. It doesn't take us home. A child gets in the car, buckles up, hopefully. If not, they get yelled at by your parents, buckle up! And they trust their mom or their dad, their parent, whoever's driving To get them home. And we need to take that model in our faith, in our spiritual life. We get in the car of life. Jesus is at the steering wheel. Just like the song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. That needs to be our life. God knows the path that we need to take, He knows the map, He has it memorized. He knows exactly what turns you need to take. He knows where the speed traps are. He knows everything about the route. But we're here in the back seat saying, Hey, Jesus, I have the map for my life. Here, follow this. I know better than you. But we need to accept being fathered and accept the love and the direction of Jesus. Kids don't know the best plan for their life. I mean, let's be honest. Most kids, if you let them choose their meals, be cake for breakfast, cake for lunch, ice cream and cake for dinner. They would play video games all day. They wouldn't eat healthy. Now, having those things in moderation are okay. Okay, maybe one day you can have cake for breakfast. That's fine. But the thing is, you better not be eating cake all day. You need other nutrients. You need other things in your life to help sustain you, to help give you strength, to help you make it through, help you make it through the day. And Jesus, or God, needs to be our parent, and we need to look to him as our father. We need to let go of the control in our life and give it to God. As a dad, instead of striving to be the strongest man in your kid's world, you need to point them to the strongest man. You need to let your life be an example of how to follow. As good as we might think we are as humans or role models or anything like that, Jesus is always better. We can only get so far. We can get to the Home Depot parking lot. But God can get us all the way home. And it needs to be a complete and total shift in our mindsets, in the way we work, the way we act, to get to that point of being fathered. Because, I mean, me personally, I don't like giving up control. It's hard to give up control. Do you think it's hard for a kid to give up control? I mean, sometimes yes, but that's the way they live their life, is hopefully listening to their parents. And then you grow up and you become an adult, and then you start making your own rules. You don't live under your parents' rules anymore. And we treat our faith that way. We grow up. We lose that childlike faith. faith, And we start making our own paths, making our own rules. Saying, okay, well, this isn't as bad as it was before. Because, I mean, like, the world is saying it's okay to do these things. Well, maybe I can give in to this a little bit. I don't want to be thought of as mean or rude or hateful. But the thing is we need to listen to what God says. What he says is the truth. What he says might hurt us a little bit but it's going to make us better in the long run. It's going to make us stronger. It's going to help us to trust him more. When we accept being fathered when we let him Lead our lives. Once again, instead of striving to be the strongest man in your kids' world, you have to point them to the strongest man. Let your life be an example of how to follow. As good as we might think we are, Jesus is better. As the worship team comes back up. We looked at John today He was weak, he was timid, he lost his way. And Jesus responded and gave us three great steps on how we need to act and how we need to respond when we are lost. It's not bad to ask for directions. Step one, look and listen. That's the outside. Look at what's around you. Remember what God has done in your life, in others' lives. Step two, be reminded of the image you bear. That's the inside. Fix the inside. You are made in God's image. And step three, which might be the hardest one, accept being fathered. Give up control. Let God lead you. Let God tell you where to go. Let God tell you what to eat, what to drink. Become like a child again and trust that God has what's best for you in store. When you do these things, God will restore you. What was lost, he will make whole. He will make things better for you. He will restore relationships. He will restore marriages. He will restore your joy, your love, your peace. And imagine with me what this next generation will be like if this is the approach that we take, giving up control and pointing to God. this next generation, this coming generation is going to have it rough. It's going to be hard. And if they aren't brought up in this way of remembering to submit themselves to God's leading his direction, they're going to fall away. They're going to stray away. I mean, we see it today, the amount of pressure that is put on people the amount of pressure to dismiss things that God says is not good and to accept them as okay. When we give up that childlike faith and acting like a child with God and letting him tell us what to do and how we should be, we start making up our own rules, we start accepting things that shouldn't be accepted, and it pulls us away from God we start becoming lost. It's not bad to ask for directions. We need to remember to trust God with everything. We might get lost sometimes. We might stray away from God. And when we do, we need to swallow that pride and say, God, bring me back. I'm sorry. I've walked away from you. I've lost my way. Bring me back. Give me the map that I need. And be my father. Guide me. So as we sing this last song, I encourage you, if you think that you might be in that point where you're getting away from God and you might have lost your way, surrender it to him. Don't hold back. Just like when a kid needs love, they go running to their parents. Go running to God. And say, God, I need you right now. I need your love. I need your help. Restore me. Make me whole again. We are made in God's image. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. But we need to give ourselves to him first.